Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy continues a study of Psalm 23. Listen to what the psalmist is really saying. Beneath him, green pastures. Beside him, still waters. With him, the shepherd on his rod and staff. Around him, his enemies. After him, goodness and mercy. Ahead of him, the Lord and his house forever. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Today, Philip continues unpacking the promises pictured in Psalm 23. Written by King David and inspired by the Holy Spirit, the psalm reveals that our Good Shepherd leads us, guides us, and will never forsake us, even as we walk through the darkest valleys. We're learning how to hear the shepherd's voice and follow him to safety with the second part of a message called More Than Adequate. If you need to catch up on part one, you can replay it at ktt.org. Let's join Philip for today's lesson. Take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 23. And David's looking back on his life and he wants to leave a testimony to the fact that God was a great and glorious shepherd. That through faith in him, he was more than adequate for the enemies he faced and for the valleys he walked and for the needs he had. In fact, there's two statements here that jump out in Psalm 23. I shall not want, verse 1, and verse 4, I will not fear. David says that I find through trust in my God, for us as New Covenant believers, we would say we have found through trust in the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, the great shepherd who equips us unto every good work, and the chief shepherd who's coming back to take us to glory. We have found that we have all that we need in him. We've got security and we've got sufficiency. We've got provision and we've got protection. Listen to what the psalmist is really saying. Beneath him, green pastures. Beside him, still waters. With him, the shepherd on his rod and staff. Around him, his enemies. After him, goodness and mercy. Ahead of him, the Lord and his house forever. So let's come and pick up where we left off. We covered two thoughts. The shepherd stills the sheep, and the shepherd saves the sheep. Here's the third thought. If you're taking notes, I hope you are. The shepherd steers the sheep. The shepherd guides and leads the sheep. This is verse 3. He restores my soul. He brings me back, and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. As David glanced over his shoulder... He looked back on the years in which he guided and guarded his father's sheep along the hills of Judea. And as he thought about that, his heart skipped a beat in excitement at the thought that that's what God has been to him. God has led him. God has guarded him. God has guided him. God has led him along the right paths. The paths of righteousness are the right paths. Did you notice the movement of verse 3? He brings my soul back and he leads me in the right paths. God is always bringing us back and leading us forward. Bringing us back and leading us forward. Now the picture here is striking. If a shepherd was out on 
the hills or traveling with his flock. He would be faced with the well-worn paths of travelers. In fact, the Hebrew is here ruts. You know, paths that have been trampled by a flock or by human feet or by wagon wheels or whatever. The clearly marked ruts or paths. But that wasn't always easy to find because there were some paths that had been created by winds. And then there were paths that had been created by thieves and robbers and wicked men who wanted to lead the shepherd and the sheep away so that they might kill the shepherd and steal the sheep. And so the wise shepherd has to navigate. He has to know what are the well-worn paths and ruts, the old paths, which are the right paths to take his sheep along. And you notice he doesn't drive the sheep, he leads the sheep. He did that with his voice. Remember John 10, Jesus taking that image of the Eastern shepherd, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Sometimes he would use a little musical instrument, a pipe, a little kind of flute that was made out of a reed. And sometimes, beautiful picture here, as he led the flock, he would sometimes pull fruit off some bushes or trees. And as he led the flock, he would hold his hand behind him with the fruit and he would feed the sheep as he led the sheep. In some ways, he was leading the sheep by feeding the sheep. Beautiful. And you know what? This is a promise to us. God will be our guide even unto death. God wants to lead us through life. Life was not a choice for any one of us, but life is full of choices, some of them small, some of them large, some of them paralyzing, which is the right road. Perhaps if I make a wrong decision here, I could railroad my life. And so we want to know that we have wisdom and guidance for the choices we make. I like the story of the American who etched and embroidered on his tie the letters B-A-I-K. And when he was asked by friends what the letters stood for, he said they stand for, boy, am I confused. And his friend said, but confused isn't spelt with K, it's spelt with C, to which he replied, you don't know how confused I am. <laughs> and we can't get confused. Life can be confusing. What's the right decision? What's the right course of action? And here we're being promised that our shepherd, like a good shepherd, will lead his people along the right paths. What are the means to that? I don't have time to develop this. I'm going to focus on one that makes the most sense. We know that conscience is a means of guidance, right? God has given us a conscience where we can tell right from wrong. And unless we have seared that conscience or deliberately turned its volume down or off, that helps us. It's that old statement, when in doubt, don't. There's the advice of friends and family. God has put parents in our lives. God has put wise and mature leaders and pastors in our lives. God has put really good friends who come alongside us in life and advise us. Providence is another means of guidance. Circumstances can kind of push us in a certain direction. But the one that is the most important, the one that is truly sufficient and clearer than any other is the Word of God itself. The Word of God is a light onto our path and a lamp onto our feet, right? Psalm 119, verse 105. Remember, it's the voice of the shepherd that is one of the clear means of leading the flock. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Any shepherd could say that. And Jesus said that of his people. 
God's word is a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. It equips us unto every good work, doesn't it? I mean, we have the inspired word of God in 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. And the Bible is profitable for what? It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Doctrine is what is right. Reproof is what is not right. Correction is how to get right. And instruction in righteousness is how to stay right. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible will tell you what is right and how to get right and how to stay right. And it'll warn you about what's not right. It's a wonderful thing to get up in life. Life was not a choice for any one of us, but it's full of choices. We come to crossroads and intersections all the time. And we have here some driving instructions for life. Beautiful. That's what the Word of God is. It's a sufficient rule for faith and practice. It's the final authority on life. You know what? When you and I need its wisdom, it's there. This kind of wisdom does not come by neglecting the Word of God until a crisis hits. It's very important you recognize that. The Word of God is there for you as a guide, but it's, it's not some lucky dip that you just go to in the middle of a crisis so you ignore it and then in your ignorance you need it and you go to it and you pluck a verse out of thin air. Or since you haven't read it and you haven't developed the tools to read it, you read it wrongly, which will bring you to a wrong conclusion, which will take you down an erroneous path. Get the danger? So this wisdom that's being offered to you is one that you must seek day in and day out. Not just when a crisis hits and you open it in emergency. That's dangerous. Reminds me of the man who found himself in a bit of a crisis. And so um, seeking God's will, he just randomly opened his Bible. And the verse he came to was a verse in the New Testament. Judas went and hanged himself. He didn't like the look of that. And so he said, I'll try again. And so he just closed his Bible and randomly opened it. And the verse that he came to was this, Go thou and do likewise. Not liking that anymore, he opened his Bible for a third shot and he came to the verse that said, what thou doest, do quickly. It's a dangerous thing to just flick this Bible open and play Russian roulette with the life and death message of the Bible. Be in the word, let it instruct you. As my friend Steve Farrar says when he came to Kindred, he lives his life out of a red leather chair and a black leather Bible every day of his life. He comes down early in the morning. He makes himself a cup of joe. He grabs his coffee and his Bible. He sits in his big red leather chair and he opens his black leather Bible and he allows God to direct him, to decide his decisions for him. Okay, let's move on. We see here that the shepherd stills the sheep. The shepherd saves the sheep. The shepherd steers the sheep. Now we see that the shepherd safeguards the sheep. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is beautiful. The shepherd protects the sheep in perilously threatening environments. That environment is described as a deep, dark, threatening valley. Here's what many of the commentators believe is the background to that. I think there's a lot of merit to this, and it sheds a spotlight on the meaning of the text. 
Because at the end of spring, maybe the beginning of summer, when the snow is melting on the mountain caps, and now the sun is going to begin to burn the grass and the grazing ground and the lowlands, the shepherd, usually at that time of the year, leaves the lowlands for the highlands. He wants to take his sheep up to higher ground for grazing. But invariably, that journey takes them through valleys, ravines and valleys cut through the Judean hillsides. And there may be at the bottom of that valley or that ravine a fast-flowing river. There may be some forestation that can block out the sun, making it dark and shadowy. That area can have mountain lions and predatory animals that scare the sheep. And that's the picture. Now remember, the shepherd's taking them through this shadowy, shady place to a better place. But as they go through it, it's a frightening experience. And David looks back on that and and he says, what I was to my father's sheep, God has been to me. You know what? Life isn't all sunshine. Life isn't all green pastures and stilled waters. Sometimes the lights get lured in life, externally and internally. Some people are caught in the dark moods of depression or oppression. Others in life circumstances are robbed of certain sunshine in terms of loved ones or certain provisions in life. The lights can go out, can't they? I think you know that. You've got your own story of that. Maybe right now, you're not in a green pasture. You're in a valley. And David says, you know what? What I was to my sheep, God has been to me. And I want you to notice two things about the text. You have the near presence of the shepherd mentioned, and you have his rod and his staff. That's what comforts the sheep. That's what stabilizes the sheep and the flock. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want you to notice something, for you are with me. And there's something very important here because the psalmist who has been speaking about God in the third person, he leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. He causes me to lie down in green pastures. He'll later say he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He's speaking about the shepherd. But I think this is a beautiful thing not to be missed. In verse 4, in the valley, in a threatening set of circumstances, he speaks to the shepherd. The Hebrew grammar goes from the third person to the second person. You are with me. He senses the shepherd's nearness. I love that. Here in a moment of greatest danger, the shepherd is nearest. You know what? In my study this week, I came across a verse I'd never find before. You want to write it down. It's Deuteronomy 4 verse 7. It speaks of God's covenant love for Israel, his ministry to the nation, to the Jewish people. But what's true of them is true of the believer in the new covenant. Notice what God says through Moses in Deuteronomy 4 verse 7. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? Beautiful little phrase, so near to it, so near to you. What nation has got this special love? No other nation. God has a particular love for the Jewish people, and that hasn't been suspended or superseded in the new covenant and in the age of the church. God is so near to the people of Israel, sometimes when they're so far. But it's a beautiful thought, isn't it? You know, 
God is so near. His omnipresence allows for that. Where shall we flee from his presence? He's not far from any one of us, Acts 17. The Lord is at hand. He's at your elbow. That's always true. And then in the new covenant, in the gospel, we find Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, something new. The God who's around us is now among us. The Word made flesh. God erected his tent in our neighborhood. And if that wasn't enough after Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, he goes to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit, the one who was with them, but according to the upper room discourse, would now be in them. We are now indwelt by the presence of God that once shone so gloriously over the tabernacle and over the temple. My friends, among all the peoples of God's green earth, God is so near to the people of God. That's beautiful. That's comforting. That is strengthening. And you've got to believe that in the darkness when it's not so clear. The darkness should drive us closer to the Lord because I think we often meet him the most in the darkness. And then you've got the idea of the rod and the staff. They comfort me. I want you to understand the one who is present in the darkness, in this deep, dark valley. Although we have translated it, the shadow of death. In the Hebrew, it's just a deep, dark valley. It speaks about life's darkness and certainly the shadowy realm of the dead. But either way, the shepherd's nearby. But I want you to notice how he looks. I think coming with a Western mindset, we misread this text. When I read shepherd, I think of some of the men in my first ministry at Car Baptist in Northern Ireland. I had several farmers and several of them had flocks of sheep. And I can think of their tweed caps and their Range Rovers and their Land Rovers and their staffs. And it was a beautiful pastoral, picturesque look. That's not what's going on here. You'd be better thinking about a Western cowboy with a couple of six-shooters stuck down their belts, spoiling for a fight. That's the Eastern Shepherd. These guys were tough hombres. Remember what Jesus said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. David himself had fought lions and bears, right? But he had fought all kinds of animals to protect his flock. And the rod and the staff were used the rod especially was a, an offensive weapon. The staff tended to be one that hooked the sheep back or dug up the grass or lifted them from where they had fallen. But the rod, you need to think of a mace. This is an ugly weapon. That's what I'm saying. Get away from this kind of, you know, English countryside, Scottish hills, the green grass of Ireland. No, no. These guys were cowboy-like figures. And they carried weapons, and they were always on their guard. They were willing to go to war for the sheep. Love it. And the rod was a mace-like weapon. At the end of maybe this wooden weapon was a knob, and embedded in it were pieces of metal or sharp objects. And it was used to beat animals to death or to throw at an approaching predator. Then you'd have the sling, which is not mentioned, which again the shepherd could use with deadly accuracy. Point made the shepherd is willing to go to war for the sheep in the dark valley. Oh, my friend, find the faith and the trust to trust him in the darkness. He'll go to war for you. He'll fight on your behalf. The battle is the Lord's. 
The battle is the Lord's. It's, it's beautiful. And he'll meet you in the darkness. I was surprised when June and I were in Italy. It was a wonderful trip. We've both said many times it may be one of our most memorable trips. Fred showed us around Rome for several days and he took us to Assisi and then to Perugia where he ministers in northern Italy. And I saw what God had accomplished over decades of faithful preaching, a vibrant evangelical Protestant church. But when we were in Rome, he took us to the catacombs, the burial place of Roman Christians. And do you know what one of the repeated symbols was? It's a shepherd etched on the tombs of the Roman Christians was the image of a shepherd who would meet them in life's emergencies, who would be with them in their darkest moments. You know, just recently I came across a story about the Reverend Gardner Taylor. He was 42 years the pastor of Concord Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York, one of the great African-American preachers. He was called the Dean of American Preaching by some. And he loved to tell this story when he taught at Beeson College or University. He used to tell this story in his early days when he was a young pastor. He was preaching just in a country church and he was kind of in the throes of his sermon, building up a head of steam and the lights went out. And they went out for a while. And he was thrown off his game, didn't know what to do. He can imagine fumbling and stumbling, couldn't see his notes, got kind of out of rhythm a little bit, not sure what to do. But in the middle of a lot, an old deacon somewhere in the darkness shouted up to that young preacher, preach on, pastor, preach on. We can see Jesus in the dark. It's good. By faith, we can meet him in the dark. The shepherd safe guards the sheep. No matter what we face, the Good Shepherd is with us. You're listening to Philip DeCourcy on Know the Truth, continuing a message titled More Than Adequate. You can replay it online at ktt.org. This message is just one part of our series called Psalms of Trust, Statements of Faith. And next week, Philip will encourage you with more messages that focus on our God as our rock and a refuge. So be sure to join us then. We pray these messages will bring hope and confidence to believers amid life's confusion and uncertainties. And we're able to produce these messages for airing on the radio and the web as friends like you faithfully give. So, would you consider giving a one-time donation or sign up to become a monthly Truth Ambassador by setting up a recurring gift of $20, $50, even $100? It's easy to give online at ktt.org or call us at 888 644 8811. However you choose to give, Philip has picked out a great new resource as an expression of thanks. It's a recently released book by Tim Challies titled Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Whether it's you or a friend, this book is for anyone who has loved and lost and could use some encouragement. Learn how God is still sovereign over loss, how to pass through times of grief while keeping your faith, and how biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. And when you give a donation of $40 or more, you'll also receive the helpful Know the Truth Psalms of Trust personal devotional booklet, a resource designed to help you gain confidence in God despite trying circumstances and struggles. Again, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. You can also write to us, address your envelope to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you'd like to stay connected with Know the Truth and receive encouraging biblical posts in your online feed, be sure to connect with us on social media. 
Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and click follow. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next time for more convicting and encouraging Bible teaching from Philip DeCourcy. That'll be next time right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Oh,